Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the 5571. My name is Danny, and I wanted to start this episode talking about a little bit of a change uh, for the format of this show today. I wanted to format it to be closely aligning to what's going on in my current YouTube video, which just dropped yesterday, if you're listening to this video on the first day, or listening to this podcast episode, excuse me, on the first day that it came out. Um, So you can get a little bit of a visual um, of what I'm talking about if you wanted to watch that after listening to this podcast episode. We're going to go, of course, into all the latest uh, news coming out from Disneyland Resort, starting off first um, at Disneyland Park, and uh, more specifically for Fantasyland. Now, we've definitely talked before on this podcast about closures in Fantasyland, but since I covered that on my YouTube video that went over there this weekend and actually showed in person kind of what that looks like right now, I wanted to kind of revisit that. Plus, we got some new dates as well for additional clarity on those trying to plan trips this summer because it's been a little bit confusing since the Disneyland Resort calendar doesn't go all that far out, so we can't always see exactly when attractions are going to be on refurbishments, etc. since Disney doesn't really post refurbishments anymore, kind of like they used to, um, except in uh, rare occasions or special circumstances, etc. So of course, we all know that Peter Pan's Flight, Alice in Wonderland, and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride are all connected on the same building. They all closed on June 5th. We talked about that before on this podcast. However, since then, um, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and Alice in Wonderland have reopened on June 15th, and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride from the outside might look like it's closed, completely covered in walls and scaffolding, but there's tunnels that go into the main entrance and exits of the attraction. Um, However, that wall and um, covering with scaffolding continues on to Peter Pan's flight, which does remain closed all the way through June 30th. Now, what we now know as well is that Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and Alice in Wonderland are going to be closing again. So Mr. Toad's Wild Ride is, according to the calendar, is scheduled to close again on the 24th of July and is going to remain closed until August 11th, 2023. And then Alice in Wonderland is going to be closing on July 5th and is going to be reopening on July 21st. So they're going to be reclosing again at different times to sort of stagger it, make it a little bit easier. There's quite a bit of closures happening in Disneyland right now in the summer season, um, and it's making it a little bit difficult for guests that are trying to get on attractions um, on their summer trips that maybe they were hoping to experience. Um, So now you know Peter Pan will be opening on June 30th. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride going to be going down again at the end of July on July 24th and then reopening August 11th. And then Alice in Wonderland closing July 5th, reopening July 21st. So they're staggering it a little bit to make it a little bit of an easier um, experience on guests. You know, as um, Peter Pan's uh, flight reopens, then we'll see Alice in Wonderland close and then go to um, a point where it reopens and then Mr. Toad's Wild Ride closes and then goes to a point where it reopens. So Um, It's going to be a little bit of a staggered situation after that first initial closure that they did. Uh, So I just wanted to revisit that, and I did show that in person um, on the video. And then I wanted to transition over to uh, Mickey's Toontown. So our next point of contact over there, Mickey's Toontown. 
Um, I headed over there to check out everything that was going on. Um, I had been talking to Scott Gustin about some of the stuff that was happening there. Um, he reported about it as well. Um, they were having some structural issues with some of the ground inside Mickey's Toontown. I had the, an episode about that where I said Toontown is sinking, which of course was a little bit of an embellishment. But essentially what was happening at Toontown was um, all the trees that were newly planted in all these new parks all around the whole land uh, were beginning to settle, you know, after the ground had been severely saturated in all this extra wet weather we've been having in Southern California. And the trees were um, sort of, you know, uh, settling down lower than the rest of the ground, causing a little bit of a change in elevation around the tr- uh, the ground directly around the tree, which as if you're trying to do a safety first situation in a, in a park at a theme park, um, it could be a potential trip hazard. Guests could injure themselves. Kids could injure themselves. It then becomes sort of a liability. So uh, Disney was taking that opportunity to not only correct some of the issues in the turf, but also around the trees and bolstering those things up some other things they're just working on various projects and things around the land that needed some attention um, as certain things weren't working. Uh, we've seen things at Goofy's um, house that have been removed and put back and some things removed again. Um, so Toontown is definitely still in flux, things being adjusted, things being changed. Um, but it looks like we're starting to wrap up on some of those projects. And I showed that when I was there in person We had gone from the Centennial Park, which is the park when you first walk in, being covered in walls, and them adjusting the ground around that tree. Then the walls moved directly in front of Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin while they addressed that turf area. And then they moved the walls again over to the park by Mickey's house and Minnie's house. But when I was there this weekend, all the walls were gone. Now, from talking and seeing what Scott had posted online... Um, It looks like there's still going to be some various projects going through at least mid-July. So you can probably still expect maybe some walls or other things that are being changed and happening inside Mickey's Toontown. Uh, But I know we've been talking about that a lot, so I wanted to cover that a little bit as well and showcase at least um, that on the YouTube video and then talk about it for kind of what we know so far on the podcast here. Now heading over to New Orleans Square and also Critter Country. And like I said in the video, now I'm calling it the Bayou Country since it's going to be mainly all about Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Um, But essentially on my way over to Critter Country, um, there was a lot of news over, uh, at least from what I could see, (laughs) over by the um, new Tiana's Palace restaurant coming soon that used to be the French Market location. Um, They had removed basically most of the scaffolding, uh, revealing that new color scheme, that new kind of very Mark Twain-esque front facade of the new restaurant. Um, There was still a lot of work to be done on the lower part and patio of the restaurant from what I could tell on the outside, just from seeing on the other side of the wall. Um, But they were working on it even while I was there over the weekend, and it looked really good. Definitely a nice makeover for that location, which kind of had sat pretty much unchanged for many, many years with the exceptions of uh, a few beautification projects in New Orleans, like around the time when they redid Club 33 and stuff like that. Um, But I'm definitely excited to see this restaurant open. Um, They're working pretty fast on it, and it might um, opening might be opening sooner than we think. Uh, we know obviously it's opening this year cause Disney had already shared that a while ago. Um, but 
I'm thinking maybe it might open during this summer, it's looking like. So uh, I'm excited to try all the food there and see what's going on. Uh, I know a lot of people are excited to have the mint julep bar back and having their beignets back. You can still get beignets, of course, at the um, right around the corner at the Royal Street Veranda. And then they also sometimes have them at the Hungry Bear uh, restaurant as well, too. Um, so I, I would say, um, you know, I think just having them back in the home location, I think people are excited to see not only having them there, but also seeing what else is offered alongside those things, um, because I'm sure they're going to be bringing other new and exciting offerings, being that it's now Tiana's Palace restaurant. But as I continued on over to Critter Country, um, there was a lot going on there, too, as far as Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Uh, the entire mountain peak of Splash Mountain, the former attraction, was completely covered in scaffolding, uh, including that iconic treetop that we all know and is immediately recognizable as Splash Mountain. Um, now, when Disney World closed their attraction, this was the first thing to come down, and boy, did it come down fast. And it looks like the scaffolding being all around this peak, the same thing's going to be happening here, and that treetop is going to be coming down pretty quickly as the mountain transforms into a southern salt dome um, since this is going to be a salt a southern abandoned salt mine that tiana has bought for her new thriving business uh, for tiana's food so we're going to see that transformation happening pretty quickly it is going to drastically change the skyline over at disneyland because um, splash mountain was um, pretty easily seen from a lot of different places all around the resort not only from like the parking structure and the hotels, um, because that peak would stick over the top. But being that it's going to be a southern salt dome, um, there's not going to be that much sticking over the berm of Disneyland, which a lot of people might say is a good thing, um, because things that don't break the sight line of the berm really keeps Disney more secret and hidden from the outside world. So um, you can see it as a positive or or however you want to see it. But all in all, they're working so fast on this attraction. Um, I was shocked to see just how much scaffolding was already in place. Um, they're probably trying to get as much done on the outside as they can because there's so much to do on the inside of this attraction. Um, and it seems like they can work on a lot of it during the day, all times of the day. So they got everything covered up, um, backstage access wide open for when they need it to get vehicles in and out. So it's looking like, um, you know, they might stay on track. <laughs> I was kind of worried a little bit that they might not make their 2024 deadline for this attraction, but seeing how fast they're moving, um, in comparison to other projects lately, um, it seems pretty awesome how fast they're moving, and I'm excited to see it all change right in front of our eyes. I'll continue to monitor it week to week um, and you know, just share with you kind of what's going on over there. So after heading out of Critter Country and moving on over to Adventureland, we got some new things coming to Adventureland, um, and I'm not talking about the treehouse because the treehouse work is still continuing and we don't have a date for this or really any new news. Um, I did see some visual changes on like the ground level of the tree. We saw some new kind of posts going in there, maybe around a, an area they're going to start building for a queue on that treehouse. Um, but not too many changes from that you can see anyway from the outside because the scaffolding and scrim sort of blocks everything. So, um, not talking about that, but I'm actually talking about a new character meet and greet coming soon to Adventureland, and that is Indiana Jones. Now, 
I remember riding Indiana Jones um, the first year that it opened, uh, the attraction. Uh, I don't, I cannot recall or find online if Indiana Jones has ever been a meet and greet character at Disneyland um, and not like in a show or anything, but a meet and greet character. I'm not sure if this is the first time, but he will be meeting and greeting guests. Now, some um, invited, um, you know, content creators and like TikTok creators and stuff like that. I saw some videos that they had actually posted um, where the meet and greet was and were kind of invited a little bit earlier to check it all out. Now, for them, Disney had set up the meet and greet over at Tropical Hideaway. Now, if you've ever waited in line at Tropical Hideaway to get Dole Whip, there's kind of that little section um, on the left-hand side while you're waiting in line that has a bunch of um, like accessories and things that you might find on a bunch of you know, trips and adventures through the jungle, like little collected rugs and things hanging from the ceiling. They had set it up there for Indiana Jones uh, meet and greet. So that was where he was meeting and greeting those invited creators that were, um, you know, given an invitation by Disney. So I'm not sure if that's the same location that he's going to be um, when he starts meeting greeting guests normally. Um, it seems like it might be a little bit of a hard thing. Um, to integrate along with the line for Tropical Hideaway in and of itself. Um, I was thinking maybe they used like that space that used to be for the Indiana Jones like Fast Pass distribution. I felt like that might be a good location for it. Or maybe even like the stroller parking that they use um, directly adjacent to like the Jungle Cruise attraction. Um, but yeah, so that's it's going to be starting on Friday, June 30th. And character meet and greet times are kind of all over the place. You never really know. Um, they're not really usually listed in the app. You can always check. Um, they did some of that stuff with the Little Mermaid live action. So definitely check in the app uh, for Indiana Jones starting on Friday. If you're going to be interested in meeting him and greeting with him, getting photos and stuff like that, check the app. But if not, you can always ask guest relations or the cast members around the meet and greet location. Um, I'm going to go next weekend, not only to try to catch Indiana Jones himself and try some of the new food offerings, but also do Rogers the Musical, uh, and then share it all with you guys on the podcast, as well as any YouTube videos covering that. But I, I did a little bit of tease about it a second ago. There's also new food offerings coming in regards to Indiana Jones. And the whole reason why Indiana Jones um, is even meeting greeting guests right now is because there's a movie coming out, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, so that's why they're having a, a character meet and greet with Indiana Jones in the park. But to not only that celebrate with that, they're going to be celebrating with brand new food at my favorite quick service location in Disneyland, which is the Bengal barbecue location. And there's going to be a lot of new things coming to this. They're actually going to have a turnover, um, that's kind of shaped like the eye of Mara. Um, they're going to have, um, like a new adventures plate, which is kind of like a play on the Bengal rice plate that they have, which is some other offerings like couscous and, um, and like the tamarind rice, or I think it's the saffron rice. I'm not quite sure. Um, they also have a new vegetable platter that has like garlic naan on it and then a lamb, uh, kofta skewer. So lots of new things to try, um, over at Bengal barbecue all debuting on the 30th upcoming Friday um, once uh, the Indiana Jones meet and greet starts as well too. So all those things to check out if you guys are coming. Um, I don't know the end date for any of these. Uh, I just know that they are starting on the 30th. And of course, as they end or go away, we can also report on that too in future episodes. Um, but definitely check out that food at Bengal Barbecue. 
Um, and it's going to be popular. I mean, Bengal barbecue is already popular. So just think lots of new food offerings to try there. It's going to make it that much more popular. So if Bengal barbecue is on your list, make sure you're pre-ordering on mobile order well in advance and selecting the time that you want to pick it up. That's going to work best for your day. Um, because they will run out of mobile order times and those wait times can be really long at Bengal barbecue and the line doesn't really move all that fast if you've ever been there. So uh, keep that in mind. Definitely going to try all that and report back on it. So stay tuned. And speaking of things starting on Friday, of course, we talked about it before, but Rogers the Musical also starts on Friday, June 30th. So Disney California Adventure is going to have something big. Disneyland's going to have something big to draw those guests with new things, new offerings. Not only are they going to have the new musical starting on Friday, but they're also going to have new food offerings around their new thing, just like Indiana Jones does. And they're going to have special food offerings um, at Disney California Adventure Park, including some snack offerings for Rogers the Musical. Now, we talked about it before, how you watch the show with the two virtual queue times. You can also standby queue as well. Um, and we got a little bit more information and clarity on the premium viewing experience, which I had gotten some questions on. So you will be purchasing this in person, um, and it will be sold on a first-come, first-served basis. Now, what we still don't know, even after reading the online information that's posted about it, is whether or not you can choose your show if you show up, like, let's say, whenever this cart opens. And for those that maybe don't know, there's going to be a premium viewing experience over at Rogers the Musical at the Hyperion Theater. It's going to be $29 per person. It includes early access to the theater 30 minutes prior to select whatever seat you want in any of the sections. It's also going to come with a collectible and um, collectible and limited edition, like a souvenir lanyard for Rogers the Musical. That's your credential for um, being a premium viewing experience holder. And then addition to that, you're going to have a popcorn bucket for Rogers the Musical that's filled with the red, white, and blue kettle corn inside of it. Um, and you're also going to get a bottled Coca-Cola beverage product, including Dasani water, if you didn't want to get um, like a Coke option. Um, so you'll get all that and purchase all that over at the studio catering company, which is the food truck directly adjacent to the Hollywood Lounge in the um, Hollywood Land area of Disney California Adventure Park, kitty corner to the Monsters Inc. attraction. Now, this location does offer, mo offer mobile ordering, um, but according to the website, it seems like everything has to be done in person. We're not even sure this location is going to continue on as a regular food location while also selling these premium viewing experiences for Rogers the Musical. It's kind of a little bit hazy. What we do know is that you're going to be able to buy them there in person. So far, no options to pre-purchase those online. Um, it's going to be $29 a person. And you're going to get your lanyard and your popcorn bucket with the popcorn all right there. I'm imagining they're probably going to give you a Coke drink as well, too. Um, but what's not clear is depending on the time of day, can you show up at like whenever it opens and then pick like the latest showing in the day and buy it for that? Or do you always have to show up to this location like right before the show's starting and buy for that specific show? Um, it was a little unclear there. They did say that they would sell out and that once they sold out, um, you know, they would, uh, it, it would just kind of be done at that point. So, 
and if they didn't sell out, they said they would stop selling like so many minutes before a showtime. Uh, and and even if there wasn't sold out for that particular thing, like they couldn't do it anymore because you're no you're now you know in the period where it would be eating into your early access. The whole purpose of why you paid for the ticket anyway. So um, it makes sense. So what we're going to have to find out and what I'm going to have to get clarity on myself when I do it this weekend is going to be um, like if I can buy any show in the morning and how early that cart opens, because that was like the number one question I got. And I I don't really know because it's not listed anywhere. Now, we know how early that cart opens for food, but does it open early for just this? um, And is it worth like getting a DCA start um, for getting this premium viewing experience if you're like dead set on trying it and doing it this way and um, you want to get it for like a later showing in the day? Is that even possible? So I'm going to hopefully try to answer a lot of those questions after experiencing it on Saturday. That's my goal. I'm going to get there early over to Disney California Adventure Park, get that premium viewing experience, watch hopefully that first show at 12, and then head on over to Disneyland to catch Indiana Jones as well, too. So I'll report on that and uh, and talk about all that. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that little bit on Rogers the Musical. I know we talked about it before, but there was just so many questions about the premium viewing experience. And um, having, you know, read a little bit more information, I could answer some of them, but there's some still that I have even. So we'll find out those together as we get closer to the actual event and through the weekend when guests get to experience it. I'll probably know an answer by Friday, of course, when everyone does it. But I'll be doing it over the weekend, so we'll talk about that again soon. And next, over at Disney California Adventure Park, I wanted to head over to the Pacific Wharf area in the theme park to show the latest progress on San Francisco Square because Disney shared a lot of brand new information as we get closer and closer to when this is going to be done. And it's actually going to be done way faster than any of us had actually thought it was going to be done. So it seems like most of the things are going to start opening through the month of July and the whole project itself is going to wrap up um, in August. So we're right around the corner from this all being done and I actually I'm really falling in love with this uh, renovation and redo of Pacific Wharf. Um, Some people are saying, you know, they don't want IP in locations that don't have it or don't need it. And this is kind of like a unique area to Disney California Adventure. And what I would say in regards to those naysayers is that um, if this was still DCA 1.0 and the rest of the park still had, um, you know, its corresponding theme, I would say yes. But at this point, um, in this new, very muddled theme, Disney California Adventure Park 2.0, it doesn't really make sense anymore as is at all, really. It's nestled very close in between Cars Land and Avengers Campus um, and Pixar Pier. And it doesn't, there's no reason for it to exist at this point. (laughs) It's like... With the 2012 version of Disney California Adventure Park, it made a little bit more sense with that 1920s um, Hollywood and, you know, kind of California vibe. And that just kind of really went away when they started doing things like Avengers Campus and Pixar Pier. And really, um, Pacific Wharf was sort of like uh, really losing all of its identity. Uh, When it went through the change from DCA 1.0 to 2.0, there were some themes left over from before, some not, some changed. We had Ghirardelli added. Um, Locations had swapped, like Lucky Fortune Cookery and uh, Cocina Cucamonga. They swapped locations. 
Um, so it really kind of just wasn't the same and, and the theme didn't make sense. So I feel like this whole change to San Francisco being themed to Big Hero 6 really just brings the whole place together in a way um, that wasn't before. And it's really looking good, especially in person. Um, but the details that I wanted to share that Disney provided was about the Bodine-sponsored Pacific Wharf Cafe and also the Rita's uh, Margarita's location and, of course, the, the Lucky Fortune Cookery and Cocina Cucamonga restaurant. All very popular options to dine at Disney California Adventure. One of my favorite being the Pacific Wharf Cafe because it serves that fresh sourdough bread that's sponsored by Bodine made fresh there in the parks and they use this all over the resort not only at disney california adventure park but at disneyland and also in the hotels so it's a really worthwhile location to have and i was hoping through this renovation that the bodine sponsorship would remain and that they would sponsor whatever the new restaurant was going to be called so in the movie big hero 6 and also in early artwork that they had showed us about this location um the cafe, the Pacific Wharf Cafe, had changed names to match the name of the cafe in the movie that's owned by Hero's mom, or aunt, sorry. Uh, I kept saying mom, I feel like, all the time, and I forgot, and I realized it's his aunt. So, um, but essentially, it's um, Aunt Cass, and her cafe in the movie is called The Lucky Cat Cafe. Now, we had just assumed that it was going to be called that same thing, and the artwork sort of hinted at that um, from the original artwork that we saw at D23 Expo when they first teased and announced San Francisco Square. However, details were finally revealed now what it's actually going to be called, and it's going to be called Aunt Cass's Cafe. And the storyline behind it, according to the Disney Parks blog post, is that this is going to be the secondary location that Aunt Cass has opened inside San Francisco. So we're in a different part of San Francisco than where her current cafe is. We're closer to Tokyo, you know, the, the San Francisco, San Francisco, excuse me, Bay Area. And so this is her secondary location. And it is going to feature sourdough bread still. So Aunt Cass's Cafe is the new official name for it. Of course, it still has cat motifs all throughout. And it's featuring, um, you know, their cat mochi on a lot of the stuff on the outside and on the inside. There's going to be brand new food offerings um, inside this location. But of course, the sourdough bread will remain. And it's going to have a little bit of a Japanese influence, according to the post on Disney Parks blog. So... That's exciting and uh, something I'm looking forward to because this restaurant is kind of just like your basic deli. Nothing too exciting here, but it would be nice to see something different um, and maybe might be a new staple for a lot of people to go to. So Aunt Cass's Cafe. Now, Rita's Margaritas across the way. Uh, that's another really popular location inside Disney California Adventure Park. This is sticking around too, and it's going to be called Rita's Turbine Blenders. And uh, from that, it's basically sounding like it's going to remain the same, probably with some new drink offerings, maybe some new flavors. Um, but it definitely has that theme of those flying kite, like wind turbines that they use to provide clean energy inside San Francisco in the movie. Um, and there's actually going to be one of those windmill um, kite things flying right above this restaurant location. So That'll be a fun little change over in San Francisco. And then, of course, 
Um, we have the Cocina Cucamonga restaurant, which is going to have the attached cerveceria, which is going to be the now new beer location in that place. Um, the beer location is actually going to be opening pretty soon this month in July, according to that blog post from Disney Parks blog. Um, and of course, Cocina Cucamonga is already open, but what we're going to start seeing is new food items being added to this location. And of course, maybe some snack and apps being offered alongside beer over at the Cerveceria as well, too. Now, on that same side by Cusina Cucamonga, um, the left side, kind of that overhang where the windows used to be at this restaurant, they're going to use that space for sort of like a pop-up, more permanent gift shop there, um, themed to Big Hero 6, right, of course, adjacent to um, the meet-and-greet for Baymax. And this is going to be... um, themed to like the robot battle kind of situation they had going on in the movie. Uh, Of course, where Hiro was like, you know, secretly involved in building those battle bots. Um, And there's going to be like little hidden things. Of course, all the decorations and uh, the shop kind of uh, shelves and things are going to be built off of like robot storage cases. Um, And then in the rafters of the overhang and restaurant there, they're actually going to feature some of the kind of like, um, destroyed or battle-ridden robots that have k- kind of, you know, seen their their day, as you could say, uh, in any of the battle. And then, of course, Hiro's um, winning battle bot up in the rafters, the Megabot itself, um, that you can see as well. So a fun little themed gift shop right there, um, using up that basically unused space um, since they don't really need all those windows anymore at the restaurant. Most people mobile order nowadays and um, there's only usually like one or two registers that are used now for guests that don't mobile order. So lots of unused space there. Now a perfect gift shop right at the exit of the outdoor uh, meet and greet location for Hiro and Baymax. And again, all this is going to be wrapping up basically by the end of the um, of end of August. So we're, we're going to see basically a lot of things opening up in July, including um, the new bridge entrance to San Francisco Square, which at the time of this recording that you're listening to this podcast, um, the, the bridge leading into Pacific Wharf has already closed um, and is being prepared with the two new archways that look like the, you know, Shoji Gate in Japan. Um, and will kind of mimic the Gold Gate Bridge at the same time. But essentially that main entrance into San Francisco Square, they're going to be installing those two giant archways on that bridge now. So expect to see those pop up maybe even on the day this podcast is debuting <laughs> uh, because the bridge will be closed. They might have already installed them overnight and they're just going to do finishing touches. So Keep your eyes out on Instagram and Twitter. You might be seeing some of that pop up as people report on that first in the park. So um, things are wrapping up quickly there, and it's looking really, really good, bringing a really nice theme to that area, like I said, where it didn't really have one before. And I'm so happy things like the Ghirardelli Chocolate Factory are going to remain open and the Bodine sponsorship remains. Oh, and I did forget to mention, they actually called out the Ghirardelli Chocolate Factory uh, chocolate fountain, excuse me, as um, a location that's going to have uh, special food items related to the movie as well, too. So another themed offering from Ghirardelli, which is cool that they're getting in on it as well. So lots of things. Of course, Lucky Fortune Cookery sticking around. Now that Pacific Wharf Cafe now 
Aunt Cass's Cafe is going to feature Japanese. Maybe we see a little bit more leaning on this location to the Chinese slash Korean side um, that they have. You know, this was kind of already a fusion restaurant that had Japanese, had Korean stuff, had Chinese stuff. Uh, maybe now we see it kind of lean more away from Japanese stuff since we're going to have more Japanese items over at the um, Aunt Cass's Cafe. So we'll have to see, but I'm all for the diversity of the food options here. We need it. We love it. Um, I love the great offerings that Disney California Adventure already provides. Way better than Disneyland in most cases. So this is just going to add to that list of amazing things, and I can't wait to try it. And lastly, at Disney California Adventure Park, I wanted to talk about Soarin' Around the World. Now, we said that it was going to be closing on July 5th, and that's still the case, but now we know when it's going to open. So it's going to open on July 15th, um, just a few weeks or a couple weeks after its closure. So just a short little refurbishment as well, too. However, in the month of July. And then we also talked about Toy Story Midway Mania closing, which we talked about would be July 17th, um, closing for a very much needed refurbishment. Um, but this one is sort of just an unknown mid-August reopening. So um, hopefully they fix all the issues there. And then, of course, the last closure I wanted to mention before we move on to a different topic was with Wondrous Journeys. Wondrous Journeys um, is going to be going away at least temporarily um, while we get ready for the Halloween season. And then, of course, leading right into the Christmas season, which both have their own fireworks shows and wouldn't um, you know, have any room for Wondrous Journeys to coincide with that. So right now, the final day of Wondrous Journeys is going to be... Um, on August, the last day of August, because um, September 1st is when Halloween starts, and that'll be when Halloween Scream starts. So every date that has fireworks all the way up until prior to the 1st of September is going to be how you can experience Wondrous Journey. Um, and then it, it'll probably be reopening um, after the 1st or whenever um, the Halloween, the holiday, excuse me, season ends at Disneyland um, and the Believe in Holiday Magic show is gone. So then we can probably expect Wondrous Journeys to return um, and carry on the rest of the Disney 100 celebration until that then also ends as well. And lastly, for my update video on YouTube, um, I also showcased some updates and changes currently going on at the Disneyland Hotel and at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel turning into Disney's Pixar Place Hotel. Now, we already saw the Pixar Place Hotel open up its lobby and showcase kind of what they've been working on for the time being. Of course, just opening in a temporary state as they just wanted to get it open so that they could use a lot, utilize it for guest check-ins and things like that. But there's still a lot of work left to be done. But we got a little bit more information technically on um, the food sponsorship at this hotel. So before the closure, before everything was going on, Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel had very few options for dining. Um, there was some snacks and drink offerings over at the Sandbar in the pool area. There was the Surfside Lounge, which was essentially kind of like a quick grab-and-go from a refrigerator kind of cold uh, food offerings location um, and bar just off of the lobby. And then, of course, there was the signature restaurant at the hotel, which was PCH Grill, which was a buffet for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But then at breakfast time, it was a character dining buffet. Um, now, it um, for you know towards the later years, 
Um, there wasn't really anything offered at the Surfside Lounge anymore. They kind of closed it and just kind of remained closed and was sort of like a seating area. The sandbar was really only good for guests that were dining at the poolside um, and getting food and drinks kind of up there, not for things that guests needed to get on the go, especially since the pool is on the third floor at the Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. And then, of course, PCH Grill, too, never reopened after the pandemic either um, and really just wasn't always reliable as far as being open when it was open for dinner or for lunch. Sometimes it would only be open for dinner. At some point, it was only open for breakfast during the character dining. So it was kind of all over the place. Um, so now with the Great Maple coming into Disney's Pixar Place Hotel, um, it's going to be a little bit more of a consistent food offering. Now it's taking over the PCH grill location that used to be at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. And it's going to be an inside outside vibe kind of opening up to the outside. Um, this is going to be a modern American cuisine um, style food. So you're going to have all the comfort foods kind of done in a more modern take, a little bit more upscale take. Um, but the rumor that we were hearing was that Disney sort of came to a deal or an agreement with the Great Maple, um, the owners. And not only are they doing the restaurant in the hotel, but there's also a small cafe in the hotel that took over the um, the Surfside Lounge location in the lobby. And um, if you've seen it now, and you can see it on my video on YouTube, um, it's definitely being set up to be kind of like a coffee bar. Now, it was a little bit of that when it was there before, but now there's like coffee decorations on the wall alongside Pixar artwork and stuff like that. But the rumor has it is, is that um, Great Maple is going to also provide the food for this location. Um, so there'll be some to-go offerings from the Great Maple, um, like maybe their maple bacon donuts and things like that, that guests who don't want to sit down and dine can grab some great to-go offerings from the Great Maple. But not only that, rumor has it that Great Maple is also going to be supplying the food for the concierge lounge at Disney's Pixar Place Hotel, which we don't know what it's going to be called. When it was Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel, the concierge level was called the Beachcombers Club. Um, and so whatever that new club's going to be, supposedly it's also going to be serviced by the Great Maple location. So basically, Great Maple providing all dining options at this hotel, which is a big change for a Disney resort. This is the first time I've ever seen an outside restaurant come into the lobby of a Disney-owned hotel and also operating all the food entirely uh, through a third party. So uh, this could be a big change. Maybe it's an experiment for Disney as a whole with Disney Parks. Um, since this is sort of a smaller scale hotel, they can see how it's going to work. And then maybe this is something they scale in the future to not only the Disneyland Hotel, the Grand California Hotel, but maybe Walt Disney World Resort as well, too, um, with some of their more boutique offerings. Um, so this is something to definitely keep our eye on. Um, but we don't know the name of that new cafe in the lobby. We don't know the name of the new concierge lounge. So we'll have to keep an eye on all that. Um, but it's continuing to change. It's looking great so far, in my opinion. Um, and if you haven't checked it out and want to see what it looks like, head on over my YouTube channel, Just Ask Danny, and watch that video because you got visuals of what all this looks like that I'm talking about. Uh, and you can see it uh, for yourself there and see really how much it's changed. And in all honesty, some people kind of say it looks a little too plain, a little too clean, but 
the hotel itself really didn't have a very good theme, was still very late 90s, early 2000s vibe that matched um, the hotel's theme when it first opened as Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel um, that was referencing a land that no longer exists for many years because we have Pixar Pier instead. And so Paradise Pier Hotel um, didn't really make sense anymore. And I feel like this new theme um, looks really nice. The hotel lobby feels a lot more open, feels like there's a lot more space, and we're still not done. We don't have all the cool decor and things that they wanted to do. Uh, they just wanted to get that lobby open. So check it out. Let me know what you think. I think it's great. Uh, I'm excited to see what the new rooms look like. We haven't seen any of that so far. So um, lots to come there. But that wraps up this particular episode. Uh, not much else to talk about really as far as news at Disneyland Resort. And really not all that much news just yet from Universal either or from um, Knott's Berry Farm. Now, there was a little bit of a rumor that had gone around on Twitter about the full layout of the new potential Fast and Furious roller coaster coming to Universal Studios Hollywood, but it seemed um, really not something that we could talk about too much about on a podcast um, because not a lot of details, more of a layout, more of a visual thing, so not too much to share, but... um, it sounds like some of those permits and original filings of the roller coaster track going around the escalators that go from the upper lot to the lower lot are coming true according if this layout is to be believed. So we'll also keep an eye on this as well, too. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that this week, um, before I film or record the next episode, um, that we'll have some more announcements as far as mazes go for Halloween Horror Nights. We got a little bit of a tease from the studio house that is making the Five Nights at Freddy movie. Maybe that's just a new trailer, or maybe it's a brand new announcement for a maze coming to Halloween Horror Nights. We're going to have to wait and see on that one. I'm really do, I am really hoping that Five Nights at Freddy's does come to Halloween Horror Nights. Um, so, like I said, we'll continue to monitor that and talk about that and share what we can as it becomes available. But... Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the 5571. If you don't already follow the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform you're on, feel free to do that. Um, And also leave feedback. It really does help the podcast kind of escalate the charts as well as um, be pushed out and seen by other viewers and listeners that may like other podcasts that you listen to as well. They kind of like recommend them in that same vein. Um, But thanks so much again for listening. And if and if you haven't, like I mentioned earlier, I'll keep plugging it again. Check out that YouTube video on Just Ask Danny uh, and subscribe there if you want to, um, as I'm going to try to bring this podcast over to the YouTube channel uh, in a more visual way in the future. I haven't kind of figured out what that looks like yet, but I'm trying to like brainstorm that. So for those that maybe don't use podcast apps and would rather watch the podcast, um, they can see more of a visual of what I'm talking about live in the moment as well. So um, feel free to subscribe there and you can leave comments on the videos and all that stuff there. And if you'd like to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, you can do so at Just Ask Danny as well. Uh, the same name is the YouTube channel. And then you can also send an email to me uh, with any feedback, questions, or comments, whatever, at danny at justassdanny.com. Again, that's danny at justassdanny.com. 
Thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.